this is the Inside Out episode of First Times Films. I know you were expecting uh, Spirited Away at one point this week, but there were technical difficulties. Uh, easy for me to say. I have speaking difficulties. There were technical difficulties caused by a human error. So, Mr. Higgins, get a grip of yourself and please explain <laughs> what happened. Uh, I can only apologise. I've... Uh... We've done a really great podcast there. Spirited Away was brilliant. Loved it. Great watch. Um, had AJ on there, who was the Spirited Away expert. And we had Kwaku, who is the uh, the antagonist for every show because he doesn't <laughs> have a clue about anything. Uh, so it, it made for a really good show. And then we got to the last 10 seconds. I've obviously poorly finished as normal. Um, and then uh, as, I go to, as I go to alert the, the others, that I'm just about to turn the recording off. I noticed that I've obviously no started the recording at all. <laughs> so that was an hour and 15 minutes down the drain. Yes. And uh, I, I wallowed in self-pity for the rest of the day, I won't lie. <laughs> I love wallowing in self-pity. It might be my favourite pastime. <laughs> I'm oh, surprised David's letting you stay on the podcast team. <laughs> no, uh, <it> listen, <laughs> listen, we got to just, you got to, uh, it all stems back to the leader here. Do you know what I mean? It, it's poor training <laughs> on David's part. It's my uh, fault. It's somehow my fault. That's I've, I've hosted, a, uh, I've hosted a couple of podcasts on Anchor, and I've done one on Skype so far. But Tuff did start the uh, the recording on the last one I recorded on Skype. Oh, so, above. just Listen. so I can get that, he actually came on the call. He, he said, I'm just coming on the call quickly, blah, blah, blah. And then subconsciously, I must have thought to say hi, to say hello, not yeah, to do it. You should have reminded me, mate. That's the kind of thing I forget. I had clearly I've done it. So, I had fajitas to make Listen, it's happened before. We lost a Star Wars show, I believe. Die Hard episode never came out because the recording for that got lost. Uh, I Quack bet you that's what happened with Die Hard episode, and you've just had to fucking keep it under the carpet. Like, ah, uh, it just get lost, man. Like, particles lost, and <laughs> it's lost in, in space, air. mate. I actually have found it again. We could release that episode, mate. Buchanan is so steaming on it. I'm not sure I want to. Uh, but also, Quacky <laughs> was on that show, and Quacky has lost ESSR episodes that have been on in the past, so he is saying <laughs> nothing. He is saying nothing, but okay, we'll get into today. This is the big crossover event that you're wanting. Everyone's been asking for it. I've had DMs out my arse uh, asking for this have to you happen. Actually? No. <laughs> <laughs> not about the podcast, just normal. <laughs> just DMs. <laughs> just, <laughs> just everyone slides in. Uh, like, <laughs> right. But I'll be introducing first. He has started uh, a new podcast, a man I met at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. He is now one of the minds behind the Big Picture podcast. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Jack Graham. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm Jack, as he said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just get out there again. <laughs> he's an exciting man with lots of things to say. Uh, I promise you, it's going to be, it's going to be <laughs> Despite that introduction. <laughs> Jack, give us a brief rundown of what happens over at the Big Picture podcast. So uh, we take video games... TV shows, movies of what we think like, is good but it could be better and we talk about the movie, the game, the TV show and then at the end of the episode the panel will then pitch their own idea to make that subject better, better, better and oh. at the end of that we decide who the, the champion is and funnily enough our most recent episode is on Disney Pixar so oh. it's like first time films and big pictures like, like that crosses like... 
Oh, I love crossing streams, but um, it's also it's great. Go and listen to it. But it's a family affair today. We have a, another podcast in the works. Uh, this is a stupid question, but it's a science podcast that I listen to all the time because I feel like it helps me feel educated. And today I have one of my family, a close cousin of mine, is one of the hosts of that show, Amy and Manur from the podcast are here. How are you ladies doing today? You're starstruck. <laughs> I'm completely starstruck. I'm a fan of the show. We're glad you like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's always surprising so, to hear anyone listens to it sometimes. I oh, think that, that as well. You know, it's good when people listen, you know, it yeah. makes you feel important, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so give us, a brief give, give us a brief rundown of what you guys do over there uh, when you do your episodes. I'll see a bit, you can see a bit. Yeah, so basically we are both scientists. I'm an immunologist. Manor is working on mitochondria. We both look at things in cancer. And we also have really stupid questions when it comes to other parts of science that we just don't understand. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make a podcast that people could ask their stupid questions and we could find answers for them. Things that basically we all think we should know. Like the one we just did the other day about rain. What is rain? Mm-hmm. I never knew what it was. I just assumed it did. So, yeah, just kind of fun episodes like that. That sounds incredible. And from Cancer and Rain to Disney Pixar. Lee Lee Carvel's got a really interesting theory about rain that uh, the the rain that falls from the sky nowadays is uh, the pish of the Victorians. Um, (laughs) He thinks that it's all recycled, so Uh that... Like, so the, the, it the is rain... technically all uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, at I get, some point. I get what you're saying, right? But he sat in my house at fucking four in the morning, obviously out his mind, <laughs> talking about how weird, dri- how the rain that falls to the sky that goes into our water that gets filtered and all that is the Victorians' pish. So we're just drinking Victorians' pish, and I was sitting there on the couch going, like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <happening?" laughs> yeah, He's not I... wrong. He's not right, but. I get what he's trying to say. He's somewhere between right and wrong. <laughs> Over two hundred um, years it's took that water to evaporate. Mm. I don't know if it's quite that that long a process. Nah, his thoughts are a bit outside outside in or inside out, which is the name yeah. of the film we are talking about today. It was released in 2015. Uh, it's a Pixar movie directed by Pete Doctor, uh, co-directed by Ronnie Del Carmen. I always find that an interesting credit. What was Ronnie's job on this? Like, one's the director, one's the co-director. Like, I don't know what's happening there. But it's uh, screenwriting by Pete Doctor, Meg LaFov and Josh Cooley, um, who are actually, they brought sign in on the writing of this. It was very interesting. It consulted numerous psychologists um, at the University of California, the Berkeley um, branch of that. So we like to play this game at the start. I'll give you the budget. You'll tell me and try and guess, guys, how much you thought this movie made. So the budget of this film was a massive $175 million. All right. And for our first guess, I'll come. Jack Graham, what do you think this movie made at the box office? I was going to give like the one dollar tactic to whatever whatever someone said. Price is right. I am going to go five hundred million. Oh, why not? Five hundred million. We're going to come to manure. Yeah. Billion. <laughs> billion. Five hundred billion dollars. Manure, what do you think here? Oh. Uh, so they spent 17 million? Is that what you said? 
And no, so it made 175 million. Oh, was the uh, budget just a wee bit more? 400 million, 400, 500, 400. Uh, Jack Higgins will come to you. Yeah, 312 million. Amy? Specific. Uh, I really don't, I'm not good with these kind of things. I'm going to go with 250 million. Jack, Jack Graham, you were the closest because all of you underestimated Inside Out. It made $858 wow. million dollars at the box office. A, a massive, massive hit uh, for Pixar when this came out in 2015. Um, Nothing. Uh, oh, so, <laughs> no prizes on this show, no budget on this show, no union on this show. Um, so we're going to start. Jack Higgins, you. this was your first time film, the first time watching this one, uh, Inside Out. What were your expectations of it going in? And in what ways did the movie meet up, live up to those expectations or did it surprise you in any ways? Um, there was a lot more of a story to it than I was expecting, definitely. Mm. I knew what it was about, I knew it was emotions and they all had a wee part to play and it was like the control panel on your head. So I liked the idea. I didn't know how I was going to see it first. I was a wee bit like sceptical to the whole thing. I was like, oh, this is just <laughs> not real. I know you've got your medical team in and blah, blah, but this is not really how you work. Like, this is not really how a person does you just stand still and like, <laughs> ah, and that's anger hit my button there. Like, I was, like, just, like, I was like, right. Let's kind of, and anyway, I got into it. I got a lot, um, a lot more into it. And if anything, the sequel that I've written, whoa, my God, it's class. <laughs> so we'll uh, get to I want a to watch pitch battle later on in this episode. We're going to get a Go pitch on. battle later in this episode. But, but I'm um, fairly confident. <laughs> yeah, much, no, much, <clears throat> much more of a story in it. I really liked it. I liked the sort of the journey that they took um, throughout it. I thought it was going to be very much a one setting uh, for mm-hmm. the emotions. So I liked that they get put out of their comfort zones and they had to sort of travel through the um the, the long term memory and such. Um so it was good. Yeah. Enjoyed yeah. That. Jack Graham, were your overall thoughts on this movie uh, similar to Jack's? What was your experience? When was the first time you watched this this one? Yeah. I didn't watch it until I actually came out in Sky Movies. It wasn't something that particularly took much for interest in myself when it came out in the cinemas for some reason. It was something I looked at, I was like, oh, that'll be really good. But I didn't find any urge to actually go out and see it. Yeah. And then it came on the premiere, and I was like, you know what? I've, I mean, I'm no pain to watch it, so I was like, watch it free, and I was, I was just completely blown away. It was, I went through like all the emotions watching that movie. As well. <laughs> I was crying at some points. So I was like, fell of laughter. It's, it exceeded everything that I thought it was going to be. So I was, I was very happy that I eventually get to see it in the end. Yeah, and Manor, were you sort of same as Jack? You didn't see this when it was out in cinemas. I take it sort of just further down the line. Yeah, I think it was just you know when you don't know what to watch and then you decide to just open up a movie and it's like oh Inside Out's been out for a while people have said it's good let's just watch it and yeah it's just when you go in with the expectations obviously and this exceeded that it was a lovely movie I really liked it and lovely lovely movies that the place and Amy I'll come to you next with a slightly harder question it's certainly a great movie where does it rank for you among the sort of Pixar greats? Is it near the top or is it sort of somewhere in the middle, near the bottom? What's your opinion? It's not one that I would have like jumped to my mind if someone says, what Pixar movie do you want to watch tonight? Mm-hmm. But I do think it's one of the smartest and it really makes you think. And now that I have researched and tried to understand emotions, I wouldn't say my opinion's changed, but like I've really thought about the movie and tried mm-hmm. to dig deep about it. So it's, yeah, it's a thinker. Yeah, I like that. A lot of people are like, I'll dig deep. 
into like 2001 A Space Odyssey, but we're here for deep thoughts about Pixar's Inside Out, and that's what, <laughs> that's what we need to do. Um, so obviously the movie follows uh, the Riley, whose her life is uprooted and upended from her, from her small town, and she moves uh, to San Francisco, uh, forced her dad's implied got a new job, a new company, a new investment, and the emotions inside her head, uh, joy, sadness, disgust, anger and fear, you know, they're trying to keep things in line, they're trying to keep keep everything okay, um, things quickly go horribly wrong, joy and sadness end up sucked elsewhere in the mind and can't get back there's a there's a friend called bing bong there and then eventually they need to they need to all discover that they all have a place in all of this but amy come back to you here who was your favorite character out of the lot that we met during the course of this inside out movie i kind of um i kind of liked fear um, and yeah underdog nice. i think i think fear is more important than he was made out to be mm, yeah mm, funny funny you say that amy <laughs> you're going you're going with fear based off of the fact that you just think fear should have had a lot more going on in that show and maybe maybe he will <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, uh, oh, he's going to be in the sequel i also liked riley's super boyfriend yeah, I would oh, die for right. Riley. Oh, <laughs> the Justin Bieber lookalike. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite funny as well. Uh, Jack Graham, come to you. Fear put out there, not a character I was expecting to dis- dis- uh, discuss or discussed in great detail. Uh, but who would you go with as your favourite character here? I would say my favourite is probably Sadness out of yes. everyone. Uh, I think Phyllis is just absolutely brilliant at sadness and this is it's got the perfect voice of an absolutely sad character so I, like you instantly just connect with it like straight away for me you believe that sad was sad yeah and she's so funny like from the get-go like from the first time she shows up next to joy and she's silently pushing the button in the camera like sort of just cuts back to sadness sort of looking <laughs> like hi i'm sadness but obviously phyllis smith who played phyllis in the office um long time for any people who haven't watched the US Office Jack it's sort of not a similar part but you can sort of tell where the inspiration mm. for the casting department came from here yeah it's a bit of a not not that she's a bit of a backseat but she can be pretty like cut to the bone easy and you can tell when she's like instantly sad and it's just you can you can mirror the character pretty well to her sadness and inside out nice I love that I did see it was like a, I was looking at like a, I took my sister to the cinema and it's one of those claw machines like and I seen like one of them was just filled with sadness teddy bears and I'm like that's the, that's like the weirdest character to give like a change. <laughs> you have your your sadness teddy like, like there you go. It's probably because everyone else had like taken oh, joy oh, and anger. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just all sadness that was left. Even disgust. And she's the her. roundest. She's the roundest. She's the hardest to like get out in the graph. <laughs> <laughs> she looks oh, so stereotypically <laughs> sad, which. I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like how yeah, you dissected the sort of like physics of getting sadness out of the machine. I hadn't thought about that, but like it's a good point to be fair. Uh, Manu, uh, you got a different character, or are you on the sadness train? What's your I'm thoughts I'm on here? the sadness train here. I yes. loved her. She was a complete mood sometimes where she was just like, I don't want to do anything. I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> and I was like, I get you. <laughs> can relate. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, I as a separate shout out to like the emotions in the mum's head. They were mm. 
completely in control and they were just judging the dad when they were at the dinner table. <laughs> like, is he That's giving? Good. Does he have to stare? That's, <laughs> um, like, I love them. <laughs> that's something I actually want to talk just when we were talking about this, like to diverge from the characters quickly. I loved how like the layout in everyone's head was like specific to their personality. Like yes. the mums is like a daytime talk show like yeah. layout, almost like it's like loose women or the view or something like that, and they're just sitting there with the coffee cups. And I was like, Oh my god, that is so god. They should have a British character in the next one, it should be like Denise Van Houten and stuff like that, like playing the characters on her. It'd be so funny. <laughs> or when um sh- she runs into that guy at the hockey game and in his head is like, It's a girl, it's a girl, yeah. it's a girl. <laughs> I love that. It's so funny. Well, and I, I was will... gonna ask about this actually about uh, the mum and dad, like Obviously, joy controls Riley, but sadness controlled the mum and anger controlled the dad. Did yeah. you notice that? Yeah. yeah. And I like that. I like I like there was different dominance, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? There was different, like, people, different people running the show. But I have to say, Jack, we've talked about sadness, and she certainly has the, the best character development, I'd say. Or maybe it's the people around her who changed, like, learn to accept sadness more than sadness changing. But again, is the sadness train pulling into your station, or did you have another, another favourite here? I tell you, you're talking to me because you've already spoken to other Jack, but you can differentiate with a. Uh... A Higgins or a, a Graham or some Mister Jack uh, Higgins over to you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, my favourite was Anger. Uh, the, I feel like he was the uh, the funniest out of a lot of them. Um, and even though he's the most stupid, I suppose because he obviously has the kind of the rash action. I feel like even that is a bit of a theme in its own. Like when when joy and sadness are not there to take the helm, like. What does actually happen to you is you kind of you kind of become rash, so you act instinctively on fear or instinctively on anger, and in, mm-hmm. in this circumstance, uh, and like when the three of them who are clearly the, the least experienced of uh, like being in control because they they have the least memories um, and stuff, like it, it's just funny how that dynamic all falls apart, and you do feel this really emptiness. Like you're obviously meant to see how empty Riley's feeling and how like. You know, blank behind the eyes she is. So I think that was yeah. it. But I, I did like his character when the whole gang's there and the, all the emotions have teamed up in that. Um, he was good just as a funny character and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I liked him also, even though because he was kind of like, uh, I hesitate to say the villain, but he kind of like took on that a, role. Yeah, he put into motion like what was going to be wrong for Riley uh, or the wrong move for Riley. But again, it's like not his fault. He's Acting, he's he's anger, so he's only acting like how he knows to act. So nah, I like him. That is, he has the funniest joke in the movie for me. Where they're like, there's no bears in San Francisco, and he's like, I seen a guy who looked like a bear, and it's like San Francisco is so the gay capital of the world, basically. So it's quite funny oh, that yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> that was like very very good. Uh, but obviously we talked about sadness, uh, but we need to. It's interesting. Very interesting that no one mentioned Joy, uh, who I think is quite a divisive character. Manure, I'm going to come to you first for this. I have feelings about Joy. (laughs) Yeah, tell me your feelings about Joy, played by, I have to say, one of my favourite actresses, Amy Poehler. Mm -hmm. Um, She was just very controlling. It was funny because they're meant to portray emotions, but the emotions themselves have emotions. Mm. which was interesting to see because Joy mm-hmm. went through all these different emotions, but her need to control everything just really annoyed me. <laughs> yeah. and, and I get that she was Joy and it's good that happiness was taking over, but and mm. it was nice to see her develop through the movie and see that she accepts sadness and everything, but in the yeah. beginning, she was a lot to handle. <laughs> yes. She was my least favourite character for most of it. 
I've, I've seen this before, Jack Graham. Do you agree with Manure? She's put it very nicely. But did you find Joy a bit of a pain in the arse uh, for <laughs> a bit of this film? Yeah, because it was... I found a lot of similarities from between Joy and Woody from Toy Story in yes. the first in the first movie and that Woody in the first movie really annoys me how can Troy doesn't want things to change it likes, likes it the way it is mm. and I just find Joy being the exact same and obviously Woody becomes the more accepting a Buzz Lightyear and that Andy can have more than one favourite toy right they can have more than one emotion type thing that's that's about the pile of me straight away when i was watching this nice and i i really like that i don't know how i feel about comparing sadness to buzz lightyear but the rest, <laughs> of, the rest of it does go up uh, amy your your namesake amy poehler plays this i'm um, obviously best known from parks and recreation she was also the mum in mean girls like did you recognize her voice at all when she came on here do you know of her work like no to be honest with you i mean Maybe I'm just bad at this because I always get shocked by who plays different characters in cartoons. But yeah. I just quickly Googled, Googled actors and actresses before coming on this and I was shocked at everyone who I knew and I didn't recognise anyone's voices. Yeah. And I don't know if she was exaggerated or something, I don't know. But yeah, I didn't, did not know it was her. But also mm. found her super annoying. I don't know if you're meant <laughs> to. Do you think you're meant to find her annoying? Yeah. I think it for like someone that's too happy. You're like, yeah, she's too happy. Sad. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> yeah. slow down. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's the, to be fair, it is basic. It's kind of a version of the character she plays in Parks and Recreation. Like Leslie Nope is this sort of happier. She's always wanting to do the right thing. You know, she wants to. She wants to build a park. She just wants to build a park, and it's super good that can great in people around her. Uh, Jack, I don't think you're going to hold back in your your opinions on Joy here, but maybe <laughs> maybe they're not as intense as other people in the panel today. Oh, no, you give me a bad name. Actually, if, if anything, I'm probably the latest on it. I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, I'm going to give her the benefit of doubt, and like I said about the the themes that they're obviously portraying, um, she is an 11 year old girl. So Aye. let's be honest, how much like sadness and stuff like that have you really experienced or how much do you cling on to really should mm-hmm. I say because there are obviously mm-hmm. some really unfortunate people but in this case Riley's had a really really happy upbringing so the reason why she's in control is because as I said it's, be- it's been based on her memories so her memories that she's had so far her core memories are all happy the majority of her memories are all happy so I get that you feel a bit annoyed at her because she's taking control but at the same time it's Riley's actual brain that's allowing that to happen it's not it's not like she's kicking everybody else out of the way and being like nah it's obviously just the fact that she's been exposed to happiness so that's what they're used to and that's what she would that's what Joy knows mm-hmm. how to re- how to respond uh-huh. she's like first response effectively and that's why sadness has not really had a look in yet but now at this pivotal age like 11 12 years old where things like this might happen new schools uh well particularly a new school for her obviously but you know you, you, even meeting boys things like that at this kind of age will spur completely different emotions and i think that's why sadness needs to be let in that's kind of one of the, the key themes sadness needs to be let in so that emotions can work together and um you can get mixed emotions not to kind of you know paraphrase yeah. but then you still you do see like the cores have changed to like half and half colors and stuff because you've mm-hmm. got a, an element of both uh, in there and i think yeah i'm not going to be too hard on her. actually i liked joy i like uh, and even when she left sadness to the, the thing where i was like i fucking go on girl girl go fucking make riley happy and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but i was I was just, no, but I, I genuinely was just thinking, hold on, you've just you've just spent like a whole ten seconds being like, oh, you're just going to turn that sad. I was like, just you get up first, get the fucking cores up there, and then <laughs> sadness you follow in after. 
And you've wasted too much time, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and then look, we, look what happened. You ended up in the fucking sunken place or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong film, but I, uh, I, get, I get the point. Um, the Joy Defence League coming out with uh, Jack Higgins there. He's he's firmly uh, on the side of Team Joy when the rest of us. I have to agree with you. It's a bit. I think it, it's different for me because I'm, like I said, huge parts of my fan. So anytime he pours on something, I'm just like, yes, Leslie, no, it's, it's wonderful. Um, but for the next couple of, uh, the next segment of this, we're going to pass over to the girls who are going to run down the science uh, of Inside Out for us. So if you guys want to take it away here, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Just disclaimer first, we're definitely not neuropsychologists, psychologists, <laughs> or emotionologists. They merely deal with cancer people, you know, it's, it's merely, merely that. You just did some more research than the average person. Yeah. Um, was stressful, really made me consider what's going on in my mind, but it was good. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to, should I start and then? Yep, go ahead. Yep. So, basically... The theme of the movie is based on the idea that you have these five core emotions that you see. They've got joy, sadness, disgust, fear and anger. So that's one of the main theories when it comes to what emotions are. So basically there's two theories. I'm going to discuss the first one and Nora is going to talk about the second one. But I just wanted to ask you first what you think emotions are or why do you think we have emotions? I think is it is it related to the sort of fight or flight response? It's to regulate your sort of decision making when it comes to things, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I know, interestingly enough, I tied onto that. That's more of an endocrine uh, response as well. So there's actually a lot less in your mind that happens uh, a lot of the time. So <laughs> that's why for me, like, I know you had your medical experts in for the movie and stuff that <laughs> there was a lot more happening in the brain than than really which in which in real life probably doesn't actually take too much take place too much in the brain if you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's a lot more that happens in your body and through your blood vessels and the um you know no seal receptors and stuff that are going through but sorry continue Jack, <laughs> oh my my feeling for emotions is that it's like your initial reaction to subconscious thoughts Mm. so it's kind of like something that's already inside has brought out this reaction that's what your emotion is mm. right okay so you pretty much hit the nail in the head with the two main theories when it comes to emotion so the first one is that we have emotions because of evolution and the second one is that we construct them due to the culture that we live in or the environment we see so I'll tell you about the first one when it comes to evolution so there's loads of scientists that were pivotal in this, but I'm sure you've all heard of Charles Darwin. Yes, Obviously. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this week, last week. Of, yeah. huh? I had dinner yeah. from last week. It was the great. great guy. <laughs> Father of evolution came up with the theory of natural selection that uh, we have these um, benefits and adaptations that have helped us survive through time, and that's how they get passed on to the, our offspring. Did you know, though, he was pivotal when it comes to the idea of evolution and passing on emotions? So as well as, like, studying different species and stuff and um, how they have um, developed qualities through natural selection, he also studied emotions. And he sent surveys around the world and asking people to describe how um, people they met in indigenous parts of the world experienced grief and shock and sadness. Basically, their facial expressions and said that 
everyone around the, the world has these similar facial expressions when it comes to each of these emotions. And him, along with other, uh, loads of other people, came up with this idea that we have these core emotions that basically are as important to us as breathing and they help us survive. Mm. So one of the scientists that they had um, help him out with Inside Out was Paul Ekman. He basically is one of the um, main voices when it comes to this evolution idea and he came up with six core emotions. So everything that you see in Inside Out, but also Surprise, apparently Surprise didn't make the cut of the movie. <laughs> 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 Don't know why I should have made the cut, but never made the cut. And so when you think about it, when it comes to evolution, all these things would give us a certain advantage for survival. So fear, probably your most important one. You see a threat and your body knows that you should be scared. Your blood pressure will start rising. You'll get more oxygen to your muscles. You can either um, run away or fight, fight or flight response, and you avoid the threat. When it comes to disgust, your body's looking at maybe food that's rotten and it's saying that's going to give me an infection or that's going to make me sick. I'm going to avoid it because it's disgusting to me. Mm. Other ones are maybe a bit harder to understand why we would have evolved with them. But Charles Darwin was a big believer on the fact that a species who is compassionate is more likely to help their offspring survive mm -hmm. and therefore they're going to survive um, more than a species that doesn't feel compassion and help yeah those in the community so that's probably happiness and safety feeling like you're safe in your community sadness i think is to do with showing your vulnerability and trust and again bonding in the community mm. and then your last one anger um well not your last one your second last one anger again to do with fight or flight and getting ready to fight the the threat and surprise dealing with a situation that you're not anticipating basically nice so there's lots of like evidence that supports this theory and it's mostly the fact that babies you see show signs of emotions before they're emotionally intelligent enough to know that they should be experiencing emotions, yeah. you know, they cry mm -hmm. or they'll look angry or they'll smile. Also different animals, you can tell if a cat or a dog is frightened by the way they show their posture or maybe they'll hiss or they'll bark, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but it's not the best way maybe for us to understand emotions and it's maybe too simplistic and that's one of the um maybe the, the bad things about the movie that it doesn't take into account other views on emotions and how the culture we live in today isn't just like cavemen where we're just having to survive there's more to it than that so Menard do you want to take yeah. off us in there yeah so the evolutionary side of it is kind of true in the sense that you are born with certain instincts you could say mm -hmm. in terms of like you can scare a baby like they cry their sadness so you're born with certain instincts but the new theory which me, amy and i kind of think is like the leading one it's hard to tell what the emotionologist thinks because there's so much information out there mm -hmm. and there's constantly new theories but this mm -hmm. one's of constructed emotion which kind of goes to what you're it's kind of your subconscious so your brain takes information from outside and from inside your body and is like this means we are sad or this means we are angry and the way that works when you're a baby is your parents kind of tell you when you're crying you're like oh you're sad and then you learn that so the next time you start crying 
you know, this is sadness. And if I have tears, this is sadness and all the other ways that you learn all these different emotions. So you are born with like the building blocks of emotions, but to be able to learn what they are and how to interpret them in yourself and in other people, you kind of learn from the environment. So Amy, you talked about um, how different cultures have different emotions as well. Yep. We'll give you some examples. So mm-hmm. Obviously, we are all living in the same country. We all know the kind of emotions that are common. Um, But there's different cultures around the world which experience different emotions. But they're Mm. the same humans as us. They've got the same brain. But they have different words for different emotions and maybe experience things that we've never experienced. So, for instance, the Bainan people of Papua New Guinea, they leave a bowl of water overnight to absorb the emotion a book. And it's basically the feeling of gloom which happens when a much-loved guest leaves the house. I don't know. If, maybe you've experienced it, but we don't say, oh, I'm feeling a wound book today. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, no. There's <laughs> other instances of, you've heard of nostalgia. Again, it's no. not maybe this basic emotion. Maybe it's, um, I should have said, but basic emotions, the idea is that they're building blocks for mm-hmm. other emotions which aren't too basic. So, like, nostalgia would be a mix between maybe happy and sad. Yeah. And you see Riley experience nostalgia and she looks back at her old hit home. Yeah. The word nostalgia comes from the Greek words ache for home and it was um, very popular back in like the 1600s where a lot of people who were um, Swiss soldiers fighting away from home died from homesickness. They actually died because they experienced nostalgia so much whereas I don't think we'd experience it today because we have our phones and we know we can go home but these people are they got so sick from not being at home and actually the last person to die of nostalgia was only 1919 during the first world war well i was going to say and that's funny that probably does tie into the whole cultural thing you were saying as well like the fact that that was the same population of people that were dying in that period do you know what i mean if there was a particular war or something that they were Mm. all homesick from it's funny that that was like they were all probably swiss so maybe for whatever reason the swiss had a lot higher need for home if that makes sense yeah like, you know, they yeah that's a really good like point a, mm-hmm. so yeah of course like they've obviously came off second best for that um <laughs> other populations might have survived it uh, and obviously felt nostalgic but not died from it yeah poor swiss i think it's maybe something to no, they fact, like... true, man. they're just like i'm not going fucking anywhere no i'm not fucking leaving you kidding um but yeah, so basically the idea is that we don't experience emotions unless our culture's told us to experience mm-hmm. them. For instance, one that we all have probably experienced is boredom. That wasn't a, an emotion until the Victorians had all leisure time. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 2020. Like, Fuck. You wouldn't experience it until you had spare time to experience it. Um, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the movie, I think that it's, it's quite biased that it only focuses on this basic emotions and we don't really delve into how Riley's living in a culture which tells her to experience these things and she's and not that's someone probably because um, Paul Ekman was one of the medical advisors <laughs> on it and just <laughs> believes in the evolutionary side of it. But it, yeah, the constructive side. I guess you kind of see some of it in the end when both joy and sadness produce that yeah, memory together. Absolutely. You get nostalgia, so they build up on those building blocks, but you don't see how her culture is influencing the different emotions she sees. I think that's that. I I know you don't you don't physically see it or anything, but that's kind of what I was getting at earlier when you were bashing on joy. I was kind of like, <laughs> right, well, her her environment up to this point has been quite that's a true. happy one. So I think that's what 
although maybe it wasn't in your face, like the reason why these uh, emotions had specific roles, if you will, uh, in the headquarters was probably mm-hmm. down to her exposure to these. So like it's kind of the way she's been nurtured has been good. So, you know, most of it's going to be joy infused uh, with a little bit of sadness for whatever reason, yeah. anger, disgust and all that, disgust towards things like broccoli, such mm-hmm. a stereotypical <laughs> thing to like, um, to throw in there as like a child, like, nah, broccoli, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's, yeah. Fun think... facts about that, actually, uh, on the subject uh, of broccoli, broccoli it's, bro- <laughs> it's broccoli everywhere in the world, except for, I think it's the Japanese version of the film, where it's changed to green pepper. Oh, Ooh, because so, it must be their... They're broccoli. Yeah, so it's like broccoli. Because yeah, broccoli or like, the other, like, fuck, no. Fucking broccoli daft, man. Japan. At least they, like, adapted the movie to deal with other people's yeah, emotions. Yeah, so they have adapted to the culture yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. And also, imagine all these Japanese kids, like, watching the broccoli being like, what? <laughs> that is the tastiest thing ever. What the hell? That's <laughs> so true. Well, they went to the cinema with and said, like, popcorn, they've got wee bits of broccoli. <laughs> so, so right, to round us off with the science portion of the mm-hmm. show, guys, was there anything else you wanted to say on the sort of uh, the science okay. background of Inside Out? We focused a lot on the emotions because we thought that was the main part of the movie, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when it comes to other parts, they get a lot of it quite well so the idea that when Riley goes to sleep it doesn't happen instantly she doesn't enter REM instantly but mm. the idea that you need to sleep to transfer the wee memories you've made mm-hmm. throughout yeah. the day to uh, your long term especially the like the it's... core memories as well that that goes into the long term storage and how they're cleaning out memories as well yeah. so you start losing stuff that was all pretty I much would, and it I, happens I would, have, I would have argued that the core memories wouldn't be in a wee vial in the middle of the headquarters. <laughs> I think they would still. I think they would be in your long term memory, but maybe. Well, there's no scientific basis for them. Away, they kept away from the cleaning men. You know what I mean? I think, <laughs> like the fact that they have access to the core memories, like in the headquarters. I don't think there's like a. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's. I wouldn't say there is an actual physiological, you know, reasoning for that, or like you yeah. know what I mean, anatomical reasoning for that. Um, the other thing would be that the I can't imagine that your train of thought would be broken at any point, like because <laughs> because one of your personality traits falls after one incident, which kind of annoyed me as well. Um, <laughs> like I can't even just see I one incident I, I fell over at hockey, so I'm just going to fucking throw it right out the window. <laughs> Don't know about that. But you but, did say she's a twelve-year-old, like. Yeah. They're eleven eleven year olds. She's eleven. But yeah, as an eleven year old, like she, she can quickly just like dismiss it. The family thing less believable, but yeah, that's what I mean, like you've you've stole the credit card, so now you're no longer honest. Nah, I've been un- I've been dishonest loads in my life, but I know I can still be honest towards people. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't matter. Like that's it. I'm dishonest from now on. Anyway, honest, I'm, Jack. I'm, pun- I'm being pernickety now, but that's my. Uh, is this a horror? Yeah, right, and the uh, the core memories that she makes and the personality islands, they're not there's no scientific um basis for them. And yeah. I think it's because the emotionologists and stuff, you can't really define what personality is because it's Definitely. probably to do with genetics and your Definitely. culture. And this is why no it ties into my sequel. Oh. <laughs> and that and my sequel's got it fucking oh it's got it laid down. Anyway, yeah the train I thought I thought was like a nice idea but couldn't really get on board with it when it like all crashed and burned because I was like right <laughs> There isn't actually a physical train of thought, and even if you're making one, like it should be indestructible because 
as long as she's awake, there should still be a train of thought. Well, maybe it's, you know when you're sitting and you're in class and you're watching teacher, but you're just not seeing anything, so not even day, thinking anything, like you're daydream. just sleeping. <laughs> yeah, 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 but then if she was daydreaming, then the train of thought wouldn't have been running at, at and, all. Uh, well, the dream studios would be open during the day then. Like, <laughs> the dream studios would have to work double shift at that point. You know also, I mean? dream studios, that's class. I did think it was in that <laughs> Dream uh, studio is great. I, I, I love the fucking dream studio and the director yeah. there, man. And she I like the No shit. Mm-hmm. I liked how they used what she went through during the day instead of just um, making up random stuff and seeing how her fears came out yeah. up in dreams, mm-hmm. which is likely. Well, I liked yeah. how fear was like, oh, pick a pot, plot line because, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been bold. He's, yeah. he's, not, not, he's like, Class. <laughs> oh man, well, thank you guys for breaking that down so well, and you can find more of that, a taste of that, on the This Is A Stupid Question Bot podcast, uh, available Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, but to take it back to the sort of, the film side of things, because it's a bloody film podcast here, and we're talking about movies, all right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> Jack Graham, like Pixar obviously has been known for innovative animation styles, we had Finding Nemo back in its day, uh, portraying underwater more than we ever seen you have the inventiveness uh, of the monsters inc and the designs of the monsters and that what did you think about the animated style in this movie the way this movie looks and also the world building especially when you get to stuff like the the sort of abstract thought and stuff like that in the mind i think it's probably one of the like animation wise probably one of pixar's like best work like mm-hmm. the idea of like kind of like inside the head being this like complete headquarters then you look outside it's like a factory so it's be that like this dream station of all this different stuff was working it's something that I never pictured would be the case and then when you see it all crumbling then just the blooming greyness going about the place yeah. I just, I'm completely blown away with actually what they been able to do with it blown away with it and uh, Jack Higgins you you talk about the cinematics on this podcast all the time <laughs> did they did they do it for you this time uh, were they up there top notch nah, I, I did like it it was good it was good good animation all the way through really yeah. and uh, even though it wouldn't be my perfect portrayal of the mind like they did a good job. I can, I can tell. <laughs> you seem to think the Pete Doctor... You cannot derail the train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> you must not derail it. Moon, uh, <laughs> I'll come to you on this one. Uh, the music also really nice in this movie. Obviously, we see like it's quite simple throughout it. Were you a fan of the music here? Yeah, no, it was great. Like sometimes in movies, the music kind of is becomes the focus almost, mm-hmm. and it becomes distracting. But it was it was great. I loved it. Before I even started rewatching the movie, I'd seen it like a year before, and I was doing the research, and I could just hear it in my head constantly. <laughs> I did love that idea of just that. They just send the memory back every now and then just yeah. at quarters. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that fucking so Yeah, funny. it's good. Um, and Michael Giacchino uh, was the man who did the score for this, who's very, very prominent Hollywood. He's Pixar's go-to, basically. He's been nominated for two Oscars uh, for Ratatouille, and he won for Up. Uh, he also was uh, the did the score for The Incredibles. He did it for Coco. Um, and most recently uh, for Jojo Rabbit, he also did the score for that. Uh, so he's a very, very, very prominent um, 
scorer I can't think of composer <laughs> <laughs> I was like just completely that's how the train of thought gets derailed Mr Higgins exactly, <laughs> exactly what just happened there uh, but Amy were you were you happy with the way this all wrapped up uh, in the end were you happy with the conclusion uh, of the film here with Riley you know settling into her life uh, in San Francisco yeah, I do, and I think it was nice that you the whole time that sadness and happiness are gone, you're kind of like, oh, we need to get sadness. Sorry, we need to get happiness. What's her name? Joy. joy. We need to get joy back. <laughs> Train of thoughts uh, gone all over the place. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Too many words, too many emotions. But you, I kind of ignore sadness. You're like, oh, she's just there. But at the end, you realise that she's important. And although at times you don't want to be sad, I think the movie's a nice way of showing you that it's okay to be sad, and you need all your emotions to. Mm deal with situations yeah. it was nice she's, I think she's yeah. part of the ship part of the crew you know she's <laughs> the ship, part of the crew she, she, everyone's got a part to play uh, as do you guys here because we're going to get into the segment of the show pitch battle is something <sighs> that would be done here for a long time obviously a big pitch battle events have, have them scattered occasionally throughout the annals of this show and current pitch battle champion on this podcast is actually here Mr Jack Higgins uh, Holding, holding the belt. There is no physical belt. Uh, we've used the Captain America shield in the past, but nonetheless, you are the champion. Uh, <laughs> but also, brought it back today because our guest, uh, Mr. Jack Graham, the Big Picture Podcast, is a big part of the meat and potatoes of what you do, trying to defend uh, your point, you know, trying to defend what's happening here. So I thought, what better episode to bring this back than when we had Mr. Graham on the show today. And the pitch battle today is very simple. Pitch a sequel to Inside Out. And first up, uh, I'm going to start with Mr. Jack Graham, the four is your sir. So my sequel is going to take place like four or five years into the future. So she's like kind of 16, 17 type and the purity button's been hit. So it's all kind of systems go. She's experiencing things, how it's all all happening. The world's going to better. She's like, she's done like exams and all that. But the kind of, the key thing that happens here is that her boyfriend dumps her. <gasps> the bastard. That's a plot twist I never expected. <laughs> <laughs> so from that, obviously, sadness starts to, to come about. But being going through that puberty stage, you see a new emotion appear and we get lust. <gasps> lust? I've, 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 for some reason, I've got lust. In so my is it no longer being... a kids movie? Here's... <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, going, we're going straight in. <laughs> Jack Graham, just to stop, who plays Lust? Who is the voice of Lust? I must know. <laughs> well, for some because of how I'm going to take how Lust is going, I, I've got it as like a female kind of date make of the office. <laughs> a who? A female who? See, like, uh, date make in the like So US office where you've got oh, Mike, right. Mike Scott and he's got his personal date make. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason I'm going to say that is because really trying to chat someone up in this movie is going to be really, really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. I like that. So after being dumped, she's wanting to, like, go out, put herself out there. And that's where our, our lust goes in. So lust kind of takes control of the headquarters, so to speak, for a while. But every kind of person that she tries to chat to and get on with just instantly reject her so lust Lust starts to antagonize like anger and sadness fear fear of being like alone you've got disgust of like just people she's not wanting to be like interested with just like trying to be with her and all of this leads to joy being exiled 
from the headquarters. Oh. Oh. So she's gone. So Lust kind of taking over. Like un- unbeknown to them, like Lust isn't a bad guy, but not a good guy either. It's just like I kind of feel to the fire of the emotions kind of getting out of control. Just a big horny mm. bugger, really. Aye, pretty <laughs> effectively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it we don't need happiness, we need sex. <laughs> Does I this have be- a happy ending, or is that enjoying its kick title forever? <laughs> take us home here, take us home. Well, it leads to uh, sadness realizing that she'll never be able to get anyone unless she's happy with herself. Uh-huh. So she goes that happens to Riley. Exactly. So she <laughs> joy back in the headquarters and whatnot, like in the wing of station. She's literally just like kind of teetering off the edge of where the I was going to say bozo, but it's bobo. I can't mind. She's going to suicide. Like she's not. She was about to like be like forgotten. You know how like, oh, like Bing Bong. I Bing Bong when he was like oh, take her to the platform and then he's gone. That was about happened oh. to Joy. Oh, oh. sadness finds her and brings her back and allows Riley to accept herself that like I need to be happy before I can go and have someone else and they all coincide with each other and they be emotional like they're all, like they're all emotional and what's the name of the film Jack? Inside Out to Sex <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I saw that <laughs> so we're going to come uh, guys are you doing yours together or this is a stupid question but team yep. yeah let's, yeah. Do it together. Well, let's cool. go for it guys let me hear okay so ours is kind of similar where she's 16 hit, hits puberty but she goes on an exchange program somewhere um, oh. meets a guy uh, and love comes into it rather than lust. Oh. <laughs> a, a bit more wholesome. Puritan <laughs> <laughs> points for the ghettos. <laughs> score one. No, ghettos. So love comes in, and so think of like the movie starting. Everyone in the headquarters has finally gotten their like shit together. Everyone's working together, and out of nowhere, love just shows up and takes control. No one like they can't work the board anymore. Love's doing everything now because she's so obsessed with her with this guy she has a crush on. At the same time, you get to see the inside of the other guy because Amy and I talked about uh, cultural differences in emotions. So we, we'd we like to show that by showing this different guy in another country, I don't know where. Um, Maybe he's got a different set of emotions. He yes. have those five core Make it ones. France, make it France. France. <laughs> and he has different emotions. Okay. <laughs> make it Paris, that's it. Because yes, then her love emotion, her love emotion would be different for his love emotion. Because exactly. Yep. And like all their other emotions are working differently, and everyone. So it's just showing how they're trying to become compatible. And at the end, love is what makes them compatible. Oh. We did have like a more dramatic idea where we say to a kind of spaceship, no, a time to cave woman, caveman time, and she to wants to see the evolutionary. <laughs> Interesting. She has to deal with like a bear rather than you know like broccoli. Yeah. So that's going to be a brief segment where like they go on a date in a time machine if we want. <laughs> what, so I need. Do you guys have a voice for Riley's version of love? Oh. Who, who do you have in mind for that? Yeah, I think someone cheesy. Oh, like what's her name? Anna Kendrick. 
Anna Kendrick. Yeah, she's yeah. quite sweet. Okay, she can be. The she can be Riley. annoying, and at some point, love takes over, and like her voice could do that. When love just... takes over. It will have something, someone like a bit creepy, like Michael Sarah for the male love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. That's really good. Although, the one thing Jack Graham has on you guys, and it's a very, very strong name. So, you, do you guys have a name for your film? <laughs> Maybe just like inside out in French. Inside out in French. <laughs> One second. Give me a second before we get to your stuff. Google Translate. Can we translate that? Yeah, give me two seconds. That's either the best idea or the worst idea. Inside out. Two, not to English. That would be completely pointless. Why does he even give that as an option? I don't trans. So your movie is called <laughs> Alan Vale. Alan Vales. Nothing on inside out for the Sounds like a really creepy guy for the garage. I think Alan Vales is down there tonight, man. <laughs> Fucking. It's definitely the same. You don't see the French accent. <laughs> Alan Vales. So, <laughs> Jack Higgins, you have been talking up this pitch from the yes. get-go today. So if I don't get like an Oscar winner, an immediate Oscar best picture winner, I'll be disappointed. What are you going for? Right, so it's not the not too distant future, right? So it's only like a couple of years, maybe at most. So mm-hmm. Riley's thirteen or fourteen, um, so she's not quite as developed into the the sort of lust and love that you have gone on, right? So there's no additional emotions or anything, right? She's dealing with what now is like this beginning of a teenage angst. Uh, there is puberty is obviously an effect now, um, so you do get that aspect, and there is toying with emotions, but it's not, you know. It's not really weird. It's ugly head or anything yet. Mm. Um, she's still she's still going with her boyfriend Jordan, which is the boy you see at the end. Uh, there is a little short oh. film after it that she starts. They start going out. Um, oh, which is quite good as well. I've watched. Yeah, that. I watched, I watched that, that as well. And the, him and the him and the dad bond over ACDC and that, and they get really they really get on really well. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. The, the relationship is thriving. Uh, from from when we last left them. Um, so the relationship with Jordan's pretty good. They're both at the same school and stuff, obviously same classes, blah blah blah. But he's now at that age where he's starting to make some bad choices. So you know, <sighs> maybe some there's some like uh, not even drug misuse, but maybe even the sort of you know, hey, sort have of a bad hint, light, man. <laughs> hinting that he's yeah, hinting that he's up to no good, and that she starts to question the relationship, uh, and of, of and she uh, is also starting to feel the pressure from Jordan as well as as his urges start to grow as well. So that she's got that to deal with. Um, at this point in the HQ, everybody now has a specific a particular role. So like, there's not there's no commandeering from Joy every time somebody every time she seems to expose herself to something that's not joyful. Um, you know, everybody has a part to play, but fear. Uh, given the circumstances through puberty and the age she's at and all the things she's experiencing now with school exams, all that, fear is now becoming an increasingly influential character in it. Um, And he is leading to more anxious tendencies from Riley. Um, This kind of anxiety is something that she doesn't know how to discuss with her parents. She's, you know, not yet kind of uh, brought it out in the open yet. Um, One big thing that fear... um, the reason why fear is rearing its ugly head is because she's got a big hockey final coming up, uh, the state championship at the end of the at the end of this term. Well, um, it's a good. That's a good. You know, I like that. Yeah. Good so she, so right she's there. you know yeah. she's trying her very best to state keep it going. She's got she's got exams going on. Um, she's got this boyfriend to keep. Blah blah. blah. 
and she's got this big final coming up, so she's training really hard. But fear seems to seems to keep putting her off her game. So throughout the movie, you'll see her like like you did uh, when she slips up and stuff. You know, she just can't quite do what she's wanting to do, and that's because fear just keeps hitting panic button when she's when she's on it because he keeps panicking. Um, meanwhile, anger and joy can't seem to agree on anything, so they they kind of have the the most uh, disruptive dynamic, anger mm. and joy, which is kind of what I would imagine is like a sort of teenage uh, a teenage conflict between you know to try to do what you want and not getting what you want if you know what I mean mm. so like you know she's starting to argue with her parents because anger's uh, taking over instead of joy being able to take control of the situation mm. um, meanwhile <laughs> this is the best but meanwhile disgust is on holiday disgust they've kind of realised well, <laughs> no they've kind of went disgust actually you, you're not really like she doesn't really need to do anything. She there's nothing that's really disgusting her right now in her life. Like, you know, she knows what's not nice, like garbage and all that. She knows what food she likes and what food she doesn't like. So there's no need for her to now learn what's disgusting and what's not. So disgust is a uh, sort of just touring all the little, you know, there's like all our personality <laughs> land. That's so really she's going round. She's going round like on a wee holiday of all the theme parks, right? Just like just fuck. So you kind of. Yeah, you jump, you jump. Yeah, she's on the train of thought, just like in a real <laughs> the personality, right? And she ends up at this new one, which um, which you you'll see in the background from the headquarters, but like it doesn't really get addressed or anything. And it's girly land, right? So it's like this sort of this new girly land, right? So we've kind of got the idea now that Riley's quite sporty. She's obviously into her hockey and almost tomboyish, like in a way, like just from the way she dresses, blah blah blah. Anyway, there's this girly land that's propped up. And it's because of this uh, new friend group that she's trying to impress at school, who are really, really like the kind of mean girls, like plastics, you know. Um, so she's trying to sort of impress them. And there's this girly land personality that's propped up. And um, as I said, disgust is touring all these ones. And she eventually gets to girly land and she's like, wow, this is class because everything's so clean. Like, <laughs> there's, it's just like spas and, and getting your nails done and get your hair done. Like, so she's like loving life, getting makeup and everything done. Like, and getting all the pure spa treatment, thinking, because obviously disgust is her thing, so the fact that she can be so clean in this place um, is, like, perfect. Um, so, what was I going to say? So the emotions start to become concerned, like, why she keeps going, she keeps, like, her interest instead of going to hockey. So obviously, as I said, fear is kind of putting her a wee bit off of hockey, and she's now starting to find comfort in things like, yeah, get going and get her nails done with these lassies or going to get her hair done, things like that. Um, when she's in Gullyland, Disgust encounters a new character called Facade, right? <gasps> who is who is running. He is like... Who voices pa- Facade? <laughs> uh, Patrick, Patrick Warburton. Oh my lord! Right? And he's like this big, he's like this big hunky, he's like this big hunky, like... Uh, like big fucking hunky emotion, like the, the deep, the deep like olive oil voice. You know what I mean? Obviously of Patrick Warburton. Um, so he, so he's like he's like the park like mayor or whatever. He's like running the park, <laughs> and he's he's got like this evil, evil uh, like corrupt uh, intention to basically corrupt Riley into quitting hockey so that she'll uh, pursue more feminine hobbies. Like and it's basically like he's just trying to make this park as like as good right. as possible because get a land expansion. He basically yeah. So basically he gets he gets pleasure. He's like his own me emotion. He gets pleasure from her being more feminine and stuff. So like I don't know for what I don't I'll probably need to give an actual explanation for why he wants her to be less tomboy. But I think uh, uh, my sort well, of he, he is, doesn't. He doesn't my set of reason is my, yeah, he, he's a he's an evil kind of entity. He's not an actual emotion. 
So he's just like sort of propped up, um, like out of subconscious or something. You know what I mean? He's like yeah. the kind of um, whatever. So he's sort of got this master plan, like right, we're gonna we're gonna fucking stuff all this hockey stuff. We're gonna make Gullyland like the biggest park on on like in our personality. Um, and I think I'm gonna the reason is because he's ev- the, the fact that he's evil is kind of portraying his need for like social norms and like social conformity to like ah. uh, to like girls need to be girly. So that's why he's evil, you know. That's why we're trying to portray him as socially evil. That's yeah. my reason. Um, hold on, I've still got a little bit. So disgust <laughs> really, is actually, yeah, <laughs> disgust is like initially infatuated by facade, right? Because he's a big handsome devil that he is. Um, and you know, so she's kind of like falling to everything, like falling to everything that he's doing. So he's get he's putting her through all the spas and all that. And she's like, oh, like this is so great. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And then. Uh, she'll for whatever reason he'll let it slip and kind of sees through his facade and sees that he's actually an evil he's got like this evil plot um, so she's kind of becomes under his control and like not allowed to leave Gullyland which she pretends like she's fine with it but when she realises the plot she starts to sneak out to like or like starts to be able to send messages on the train of thought and through like the subconscious like relay and stuff like that back to the headquarters to like alert them so she starts sending back like I don't know. She starts to manipulate the like the memories and stuff, so that they they get a clear message of like what's going on and stuff. Um, and she manages to like basically alert the headquarters, so then they all need to team up again to to eliminate facade and eventually lock them back in the subconscious. Nice and make sure she wins the final, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. She so wins the, the hockey final. And then yeah, she's obviously by the time he's locked back in this, it was like right before the hockey final. So fear get, fear gets put in his place and and uh, joy anger and all that take the reins for a hockey game and she fucking scores a hat-trick and they win very good so very, all could three, just see it in my head that was three good. very very good pitches here I do have a, a couple of notes um, Jack Jack Graham that is uh, just lust you know it was, I, I, I would watch the movie it's just I don't know if it would make a lot of money as a kids a Pixar kids film especially branding it inside out sex um, although I do I, I, I'm a big I am a big fan uh, of the, the sort of voice and the, the, the what you gave me on lust I thought that was that was very good uh, girls it, it was a, also a very good plot a plot from you guys I thought obviously we're getting the boyfriend and you're changing it up from the first movie um, because obviously we've got this different character and focus on him. Anna Kendrick and Michael Cera, perfect casting choices when I threw them at you. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, I can see that, can see them fitting right in there. Uh, Jack Jack Higgins, uh, you almost lost me, you know, at the end, just of the length. Of the, oh, I thought I was going to get another <laughs> Nightcrawler scenario, but everything you were saying and the plot and, and driving disgust and facades, uh, I, I can't argue with it. I have to. I have to say, in my opinion, you are today's winner uh, of that pitch mm-hmm. battle. Uh, it was. It was very. And Patrick, you are playing to the judge with the part Patrick Warburton thing. So yeah, but I'm also it. a big fan of Patrick Warburton, and I do. I do see him as facade. Like I was thinking like, before, because when you like, I, I hadn't even got a, a casting for it, and then you were asking them for casting, and I was like, Patrick Warburton. <laughs> That's just, the one. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, very good guys, very good stuff there. Um, but a couple of things to discuss before we go. Uh, the first of which, a WandaVision trailer. 
was released uh, from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, One Division obviously stars Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany as their characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision. And a lot of mystery surrounding this one. It appears it's in a 1950s sitcom, goes to the 70s, goes to the 80s. Um, and there's a lot going on. Obviously, we've seen Vision die. Um, so we're thinking this maybe could be something a bit more dark and mysterious. Uh, Jack Graham, I seen you tweet about the trailer earlier today. Uh, were you a fan of this? Aye, I was. I loved it, but I was also very, very confused mm. by it because it it's like it didn't really hint as to what is happening. It's, a lot of it just didn't make sense, yeah. which leads me to believe it's like Wanda's going crazy. Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch is just like losing her mind and can't cope with the loss of Vision, and I can see potentially House of M or some of that starting up from this. It's, it's very. Mm. There's a lot of ways this can go, and I'm just um. I'm quite looking forward to it. Aye, I'm the same. Anita Camp Manor, are you a, a fan of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yep. Do yeah, and like are you excited by what you see by One Division? And do you do you agree with Jack? Is this the beginning of what we call a heel turn? Uh, is this the beginning of our turn to the dark side, so to speak? I think yeah, my, like I agree completely. I'm very excited to see what happens, what Marvel's gonna do with this movie. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, it'll be exciting. And obviously, Amy, we'll come to you with this this next question. Do you really care? Or have you cared a lot about the Scarlet Witch to this point? And do you think this is going to maybe change your mind on her in any way? Um, now, be honest, I watched the trailer, but I don't have a clue what this is about. <laughs> like, I don't know. Is this, a, is this a superhero we're meant to know about already? Yes, yeah, so she's been in Avengers Endgame. I've not seen any of them. I can imagine. Watched the movie. Was very confused. I thought, like, I'm sure I will like this movie. Just don't have a clue what we're talking about. Just to clarify, this will be a TV show, guys. So this will actually it'll be between six, six and eight episodes. In fact, six episodes. It'll be, um, and it'll be the first uh, TV show that's released in the next stage of Marvel. Uh, Obviously, with Disney Plus incorporating the movies and TV, but Jack. Obviously, the host of FTTV here, uh, the sister podcast. Is this one that you'd be excited to review when it comes out? Do you reckon? Uh, I will be reviewing it. Whether I'm like that excited, I can't really, I can't really say I am. Like, I'm not mm. mad excited for it. Uh, the question that you asked Amy there would have probably been better suited to me, just because. Um, unlike Jack and Manu, I'm not like that mad excited about it, and mm. I wasn't really. Like, didn't really care too much about Scarlet Witch. Um, mm. The thing about Scarlet Witch is, like, she's just um, so much more of a feature in the comics and stuff, and like the the stuff that she does in the comics is a lot, mm. like, I don't know, a lot more exciting. Whereas she's kind of went under the radar as one of the Avengers or part of the Avengers. Um, and to me, I, I do like that it's exploring a more darker theme. She's obviously like trying to keep this mm. uh, vision alive um, you know in our own sick twisted little sitcom um, which I do like the idea of but it's just it wouldn't have been my first choice for a, a new superhero TV show I would definitely have had uh, Nightcrawler um, <laughs> rise, uh, de- destruction of the Vatican or whatever I called it no, enough. no more Nightcrawler no more Nightcrawler today <laughs> I do have to say I like it Like it's setting up the character for a different direction I think is what it's going to be doing there's yeah. going to be a lot of links to it um, Monica Rambeau who we see is actually the daughter of uh, 
uh, Captain Marvel's friend from that movie. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see yes. like her, her growing up and stuff like that. Kat Dennings is back as Darcy Lewis from the first two Thor movies. And uh, we've got Catherine Han, who you see quite a bit in this trailer, who is hilarious uh, a lot of the time if you've seen her other work. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what they've done here. And I think, Jack Graham, you bring up an interesting point about House of M. Obviously, we need a way for the mutants to enter the MCU with uh, having Disney bought Fox. So this could be setting the groundwork. Marvel have said that this is going to be somewhat of a prequel to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So yeah. let's see what happens, yeah, that's guys. What that's what I'm thinking. My, my thoughts were that the, the Multiverse of Madness would certainly open a door for uh, X-Men. Yes, and too. then we would get Avengers versus X Men, and I would get mm-hmm. the biggest boner ever <laughs> <laughs> of all time. And, and there's a last of all piece. Of, time. There's a last piece of news that's it's just for me. I don't know if anyone else cares, uh, but Neve Campbell has been cast in Scream Five, and I cannot wait. Neve Campbell is back. Sydney's back. Courtney Cox. Isn't, is Neve Campbell in the first one or something? She's the original. She's like the main character of Scream. Oh, like right, the main okay. cat, like she's Sydney is back. Courtney Cox is back. Is Gail fucking love Gail? Fucking Gail. Uh, I thought they all oh. died and screamed. No, no. David Arquette's back as Dewey. These three have survived. That's the holy trinity of Scream. They've survived yeah. for oh. all four films, and they're back for the fifth. And I am buzzing about <laughs> it. I have not seen a Scream film that I didn't love. Like at all, the third one's probably the weakest one, but all four of them I can sit back and just enjoy them man like one of the best movie series of all time obviously the first one not to be directed by Wes Craven god rest his soul he is dead um but you know it's a good it's a good team coming into him the fifth one anyone else excited in any way for Scream 5 I'm not more excited about how excited you are <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for your excitement for me guys um I'm repping Ghost when, to when is Thor coming out actually uh, um is that yeah. Uh, I don't know at this point to be fair let me just do a quick google I think it'll probably end up being like 2023 2022 is planned for right now but could get pushed back so it's meant to be February 2022 so we'll see what happens but yeah good episode team I'm that happy was fun. I'm, yeah. I'm joyful I am joyful you know, thank you very much to uh, Mr. Jack Higgins who yeah, the return of FTTV coming up with endings being discussed perhaps 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 Stay tuned for that one. Uh, thank you to Mr. Jack Graham and the Big Picture Podcast. Where can we find the Big Picture Podcast, Jack? And what's the next episode going to be about? Do you know yet? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at underscore the big picture. And then you can find us on Spotify, iTunes and Anchor. And I believe our next episode is going to be Big Pitching Avatar. Movies have been filmed and whatnot, and there's waiting to kind of post production, release it, and whatnot. And me, I think Avatar's all the crap. I think it's going to be better. (laughs) We're going to try and make it better. So. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. And obviously, Amy and Manure, thank you so much for coming in from this uh, Stupid Question Butt podcast. Your last episode was on Why Does It Always Rain in Scotland? What mm-hmm. is the What's the next show going to be on for they you guys? Bloody well. Victorians, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pissing in my water. No, but we're going to definitely get a wee snippet of you saying that for the intro. <laughs> um, our next one, actually, we're doing what is emotions. So we're talking about nice. this kind of thing a bit more in detail and giving you some more fun facts. 
I like also, it. You're being economical with your study time, and that's to be respected. Yeah. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, our next episode will be. Um, it was going to be spirited away. It might be a double bill. I keep reminding me. It might, <laughs> might now be a double bill for another, another movie. So just stay tuned for that one. Exciting things on the horizon. But you will see Mr. Jack Higgins. You will see AJ, uh, who will be as excited as the first time all. And, sure. and Klaku AJ, who continues his education uh, into, into film. So, guys, <laughs> from me, goodbye. And from the panel. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.